Are you looking for more in this world? Are you ready for something bigger? Then we are looking for you. The big hearted, the bold, the messy and the gutsy. The teachers, the growers, the builders. The skilled, the sharers, the change makers. We need you. We are the Peace Corps. In more than 60 countries, we go all in and all out. We are volunteers, partners, communities, working together, living together, bringing our experience, passion, and joy to building a better world together. From tackling climate change in Mexico to keeping kids healthy in Kenya, from sustainable farming in the Philippines to education in Kosovo, we learn more, give more, share freely, and serve boldly. Are you ready to tackle the tough stuff, to go the distance to make a difference? Then we have a place where you belong. Join us at PeaceCorps.gov. Did you know that improper disposal of batteries can spark fires? The disposal of rechargeable batteries in household trash has caused a number of fires on garbage trucks and at trash and recycling centers. These fires cost millions of dollars in physical damage each year and put lives in danger. Batteries do not belong in regular trash or recycling. Learn the proper way to dispose of batteries at GoRecycle.org. Brought to you by Republic Services and American Disposal Services. Hello, Cleveland, and welcome back once again to the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Jackson McCurry. Uh, this is a little bonus episode in between our off-season roster deep dive series that's ongoing. And if you haven't listened, please go back into the archive to listen to those uh, last few episodes we've done. Um, joining me tonight, though, it's not Jack Duffin. It's my usual co-host, Anthony Jokey. Anthony, how's it going, man? It's been a couple weeks. It has been a couple weeks. And work has been a real royal pain in the you-know-what. But... It's always fun to hop on here, talk some Browns. Uh, I'm not sure how much Browns we'll talk today, considering the wide variety of topics uh, we have to discuss. But uh, what an awful sports day yesterday. I mean, the Buckeyes basketball team lost. For me, Cleveland State Vikings lost. The Cavs lost. The Bengals are going to the Super Bowl, as well as OBJ. So it was a pretty pretty awful day yesterday. So this... uh, Podcast might be a little therapeutic uh, after the sports day we had yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it, it was tough. Like, for me, I just treated it like, hey, I don't put the Browns stuff into it. I just wanted to watch good football. And that's, I thought we had two pretty good games. The first game was exciting. Second game was, it was average. It was, it was still good, though. Um, as for the podcast, we're not going to talk much Browns because all is really quiet on the Browns front right now. Um, you know, there's no bad news. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had the Malik McDowell stuff. And obviously, you know, that speaks for itself. I don't see him being a Cleveland Brown much longer. Um, you know, we're not going to talk about how Baker left social media, social media with a social media post. Uh, that, that's another topic I really don't want to uh, touch on. But yeah, we'll talk about these the games from Sunday and we'll talk about some other stuff going on around the league for sure. It, it's, it's weird that it's quiet. Like this is like the call before all hell breaks loose because it's kind of weird that there hasn't been anything. You're, yeah. And I, I think that's, that could be good. Like you said, it could be before all hell breaks loose. Like, you know, any time now, if the Browns are going to make a move on the quarterback market, it could be any time now. I mean, a year ago, Yesterday was when the Matt Stafford for Jared Goff trade happened. So if the Browns are going to try to upgrade from Baker or trade Baker, we might see it any time. And, and, you know, Anthony, when it does, we'll jump on and do an emergency podcast and let the chaos begin. Maybe maybe we do need something to distract us from the Super Bowl over the next couple of weeks. Like maybe we need a distraction. I mean, that would be nice. I'm not. You know, I know that how you feel about it. I know how some other Browns fans feel about it. It's still the Super Bowl. I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to enjoy the game, you know, regardless of who's in it or who's playing on what team and whatever. I mean, I, the Super Bowl is going to be a good one. It usually is like we haven't seen too many bad Super Bowls. The last one that comes to mind for me is Seattle and Denver like 10 years ago. And that was a massive blowout. And all the other Super Bowls have been 
pretty good, pretty exciting. So, and I don't expect this one to be any different. Well, first off, watch the enjoy it wording. Uh, second, you know, with how great these games have been uh, this postseason, especially the last couple of weeks, I sure hope we're not in for a dud when it comes to the Super Bowl because the way everything has gone down to the wire in these games, uh, you know, it has been really wonderful theater uh, to watch. Uh, I know a couple of the results haven't gone our way, but uh, as fans, but um, it's just been a, a tremendous NFL postseason, and hopefully the Super Bowl can uh, follow that and uh, be pretty exciting, even though it's a little bit of a downer. Yeah, I think, and I said this to a coworker on Monday that I think this has probably been the best postseason in league history. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure someone could, you know, make a case for another one, but every game except. Tampa versus Philly in the wild card round has been exciting. It's been fun to watch from start to finish. Like this has definitely been the most exciting playoff that I can recall in recent history. Might be an all time. Pretty much every game the last couple of weeks have been decided by a field goal, except for the Chiefs scoring a touchdown in overtime against the Bills. So that's that's pretty pretty nuts uh, that these games have been that close. And I guess it kind of shows. Uh, the parody that uh, the league has and, you know, uh, and the, the Bengals didn't win like 14, 15 games, but uh, still very competitive. And you can say the same for the Rams, too. Um, and they were able to, to get all the way to Super Bowl. So, you know, pretty much any team that gets in, you know, has had a chance or you know, has a good chance. Um you know, especially the 49ers making it to the NFC Championship game. I don't know many teams that expected that one, but uh, I think the parity across the, the NFL is um, something that uh, the league is very excited about. Yeah, without question, because and I've seen it today. Cincinnati was 125 to one in the preseason to get get to the Super Bowl. And that's, you know, no one expected that. Uh, the turnaround that that organization has had in two seasons to where, you know, the 2019 season, they won two games and obviously earned the right to have the number one pick to draft Joe Burrow. And just to see the turnaround that they've had so quickly, um, and especially for Burrow coming off the ACL injury last year, to see his rise and to see that team's rise as a whole has been, it's been incredible to watch. It does hurt because a lot of us thought that it would be the Browns making that ascension in 2021 unfortunately it didn't happen due to a lot of different things but um yeah just seeing them and seeing the rams who you know they've gone all in the last couple years on moves the jalen ramsey trade um you know the matt stafford trade obviously being able to acquire guys like von miller and odell beckham jr uh putting this team together with a mix of superstars as well as homegrown talent which i've seen a stat today that the rams have the sixth most homegrown talent in the league to see the the moves that they've made over the last couple of years finally pay off. Well, obviously it's their second Super Bowl appearance in four years, but you know, like you said about the parody, I think as long as you get to the tournament, essentially, and this is a, a saying I've heard a lot, as long as you get to the tournament, whatever happens after that happens, there's been, I don't think anybody thought it was going to be Bengals Rams when the playoffs started, but here we are. These are the last two teams remaining and they obviously earned the right to get to the Super Bowl. And, and, and in 13 days, we'll get to see who takes on the Lombardi Trophy. Yes, it's much different than like baseball and basketball, right? You know, you tend to see in those uh, series where you play five, seven games that, you know, the, the better teams, uh, the teams that have the better rosters tend to tend to win, uh, you know, especially in basketball. It's so top heavy. But when you have a sport when and it has a single game elimination tournament and you see it in, in you know NCAA, NCAA basketball every year, um, a lot of crazy things happen. And you know in the NFL, any given Sunday, uh, which is a tremendous movie, uh, I need to go back and watch that. It's been a while, but really any given Sunday, you know anybody can win. Um, so. It's just uh, it's fun to watch, and you know I know we're 
Uh, all and, you know, everyone's obviously going to watch the Super Bowl, so it's going to be an interesting game a couple weeks from now. So going back to, we'll start with the AFC Championship, Anthony. Um, Kansas City got out to a huge lead. It was twenty-one to three about midway through the second quarter, and everybody thought Kansas City was going to, you know, boat race them. It was going to be a blowout. They were going to another Super Bowl, but you know, this Cincinnati team, if you leave the door just a little bit cracked open. And we've seen this. We've seen it the first time Kansas City and Cincinnati played. Cincinnati finds a way to come back, and they fight, and they fight. You know, they scored late in that second quarter to make it 21-10. to 10, And then this, in the third quarter, they, they, you know, they score 11 points, pull it within three, and then it was just like something happened to Patrick Mahomes in that second half. He went eight for 18. He just seemed like a completely different quarterback and the Bengals defense made their adjustments and started hitting him, started, you know, being more aggressive and, you know, Cincinnati, it's like I said, their ascension in the last couple of years, you know, they revamped the defense this past off season, you know, and also added Jamar chase But this team. If you give them the slightest inch of hope, they're going to take it and run with it. And that's what they've done all postseason and pretty much for the most of the regular season. Yeah, you know, and then the the regular season game, um, I think Cincinnati trailed by 14 like three different times before, you know, winning that game pretty handedly. And yesterday, uh, obviously scoring 11 points in about was it, two minutes and 30 seconds, um, holding the Chiefs to three points in the second half, which was the, the game tying field goal to send it to overtime, um, picking Mahomes off twice. Uh, what an incredible play by Hill there, uh, you know, on that on that screenplay to to pick that off. I I don't I don't know what happened to Mahomes. Like he was very rattled. Uh, you know, you kind of saw the same thing in the Super Bowl last year against Tampa Bay. Um, you know, I know he can't do it all on his own, but it, they were moving the ball so freely and easily in the first half and. Everything just really tightened up in the second half. I don't know, you know, the pressure got to him or what, uh, but uh, it was weird to see him uh, perform like that in the second half and then, you know, throwing that interception in overtime. So it's a very interesting thing, but it's, it's a testament to the Bengals and what they're able to do and their, their quarterback, their leader, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, they, they're they're seems like they've never been out of a game this year uh, while he's playing, and it, it's just been uh, tremendous to watch uh, a guy in his second year who many thought coming back from that ACL injury there would be a lot of issues. Uh, you know they didn't particularly address the offensive line a lot, but it's kind of held together. I know he got sacked nine times uh, in, in their one playoff win. So uh, what they've been able to do and, and battle through a lot of things and, uh, you know, they kind of been fighting against being that underdog. Like they don't think they're that, um, but they're, they're certainly something. And it, it, I'm very surprised that, they won that game yesterday. Um, you know, they they beat the Chiefs to clinch the AFC North in the regular season, and then they beat the Chiefs in the postseason to go to the Super Bowl. So those, those are pretty two uh, signature wins uh, in the young career of Joe Burrow. And I'm sure, uh, obviously, you have one 13 days from now, uh, potentially. Uh, but there's going to be a lot more of those opportunities, I think, for him coming up. Yeah, I mean... Seeing how much punishment he's taken, I think he got sacked over 50 times in the regular season. It was nine times against Tennessee. But the fact that he, it doesn't phase him, like he was able to shake off those nine sacks against the Titans and still make all the throws. He was so pinpoint with his accuracy. And then yesterday, I mean, he got out of some near sacks. I know the one Chris Jones nearly got him twice and he was able to scramble out of it and get a first down like, that kid's got so much, you know, they always talk about the intangibles, the it factor. Joe Burrow has that it factor. Like nothing phases him. I mean, it's amazing to watch him, 
you know, all the way back at Ohio State, they always talked about him, but he was behind Dwayne Haskins. So he transfers to LSU. The one year he's there, wins the Heisman, leads the Tigers to a national championship. Then he becomes the number one pick. And just to see what he's done for that team in two years already is phenomenal. Um, you know, as much as I hate it because it's on the Bengals, you know, seeing the kid from Ohio doing what he's doing, like you can't help but be proud of him, you know, where he came from in Athens, which isn't the greatest part of Ohio, but to see his rise as a quarterback. And like you said, even if he doesn't win this Super Bowl, like the talent that he has, the talent that Bengals have put around him and I think will continue to put around him, you know, this won't be his lone Super Bowl. I mean, barring a career-ending injury, you know, there's a lot of talent in the AFC, but Burrow is showing that the tool he's got the tools, the traits, the characteristics to be a franchise quarterback. And, you know, the Bengals got lucky to, to be in the position to get him. And, you know, you hope that they continue – for his sake, that they continue to put talent around him to show that he could be, you know, the next great franchise quarterback. And, you know, unfortunately it'd be for the Bengals, but if he can take them to a couple Super Bowls and win one, I mean, he'll cement his legend, his legend in Cincinnati forever. Yeah. And, you know, he's kind of like the opposite of like Trubisky, right? You know, the Ohio kid who was supposed to go save a franchise, um, you know, it just has worked really Worked out really well so far in, in Cincinnati. And you're right. They need to, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, they'll slowly address the, the old line still. Uh, you get better at that. But he has a tremendous uh, receiving core uh, on that team, a, a good running back. The defense, there's a few players they have to resign this offseason. But, uh, you know, there, there's certainly a lot of talent on the Bengals. And, you know, how about, you know, Zach Taylor going from being on the hot seat last year uh, to going to the Super Bowl in the next year. You know, I, I a lot has to be said of, of from what they did from last year to this year. Um, you know, the, the the growth that this whole team has, and I not only does Bro deserve a lot of credit, but I think a lot of that goes to should go to Zach Taylor as well. Yeah, I mean we the week of I think it was the first Browns Bengals matchup when we had uh, ace boogie from AFC North talk on, you know, he, we talked, we talked about Zach Taylor and I, I asked him, do you think he's the right coach? And he said he was, I think, you know, Mike Brown has a progressive presents adjusting to the suburbs. You just bought a home in the suburbs, but no one told you about all the birds, specifically this one who seems to be calling out Roy, Roy, but who exactly is Roy? And why doesn't he ever respond? Maybe Roy is just bird speak for save with progressive by bundling your home and auto. I guess until Roy answers, we'll never know. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never really thought about tools until I bought a house in the suburbs. It's like this weird homeowner test if I need a tool for a project and don't have it. And my neighbor Ted loves to give me that look when I ask to borrow a pole saw. A year ago, I didn't even know pole saws existed. And now I gotta borrow one from Ted? What is happening? Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Tendency to be very patient. He doesn't like firing coaches. Um, he definitely was on the hot seat going into this year and Zach Taylor's proved a lot of people wrong. And it's so ironic, Anthony, because he is, was a understudy of Sean McVay. And now the teachers going against, or the students going up against the teacher in the Super Bowl, and this, uh, coming up. And it's crazy because I don't think anybody saw Zach Taylor as that. Everybody saw Matt LaFleur and green Bay as that, but now we're seeing, hey, it's like Zach Taylor's probably in line for a significant contract extension when a lot of people thought he could be fired after this year. So, you know, as, like you said, as much credit goes to Joe Burrow, credit should go to Zach Taylor because he's been able to not only help develop Burrow, but deal with all the array of talent on that offensive side, whether it's Joe Mixon, whether it's Jamar Chase or T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd or you know, even CJ Uzma who had a nasty looking knee injury and he's probably going to be out for the Super Bowl. but dealing with all those offensive weapons and being able to 
share the wealth amongst that offensive side. I mean, kudos goes to Zach Taylor for sure. Yeah, how about the student goes against the teacher, except the student is older than the teacher. <laughs> Zach Taylor. Funny how 30, that works. Taylor is 38, and uh, McVeigh is 36. Uh, just turned 36, so uh, it's it's pretty incredible. You know these young coaches in the NFL. Um, you know it's uh, you know this is where the Bengals thought they would be. You know for a long time under Marvin Lewis, and you know having Andy Dalton, and you know these last few years have been rough for them, but uh, you know they've certainly turned it around, uh, and I was able to make the Super Bowl. But on the other side, the the Rams. This is their what second Super Bowl in the last four years uh, under Sean McVay. Uh, you know they lost to the Patriots uh, in a very low-scoring affair a few years ago. Oh, uh, that was another boring Super Bowl that I forgot yes. about. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were talking off-air about boring Super Bowls, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, I'm sure he's happy to get back to back to the Super Bowl and. How about the the move they made this year to go get Safford um, and traded Jared Goff? Um, you know, it, it, it was a pretty incredible move as as the Rams and everybody there have gone all in uh, with the amount of draft picks that they spent, the uh, money and free agency. You mentioned all the homegrown talent that they have that they've resigned. Um, you know, it, it's a pretty incredible team that they have over there under Sean McVay and and their leadership and uh you know it's pretty incredible that a guy so young uh is able to command that entire locker room and that entire team and you know he, he's maybe one of the the, ne- the next great coaches and you know i'm sure washington football team is kicking themselves for not hiring either one of these guys um as their head coach but uh you know you know, they had both of them in the organization at the same time. Um, you know, it's just a pretty incredible thing of what Sean McVay has been able to do and what he's able to do for that offense. He has a tremendous defense, too, which can't be understated. Uh, when you had the likes of Aaron Donald and Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, you know, that the defense is no joke either. So, uh, it's certainly going to be a tough test for the Bengals. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, we'll we'll get back next week and really break down the Super Bowl. But uh, it's, I think, going to be a very exciting game. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, – I don't know who wins at this point. I, I, I tend to favor Los Angeles, but uh, – and specifically the Rams, since there's two teams there. But uh, – you know, it, it's going to be a close one. I You can't count Joe Burrow out, I think, uh, in anything. No, and we'll definitely break it down more next week when we preview the game. But you made you talked about Sean McVay. I mean, he's only 36 years old, Anthony. He's already is in his second Super Bowl. What he's done for the Rams in five years, you know, going 61 and 29, and, and this includes regular season and postseason. Not only that, but you look at his coaching tree already. Four of his assistants are either an NFL coach or a college coach. Matt LaFleur, obviously with the Packers, Taylor with the Bengals, Brandon Saley with the Chargers, and then Jed Fish is the head coach of the Arizona Wildcats. So the Sean McVay tree is only just starting to grow. And you mentioned the Washington football team. They had Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, and Sean McVay in their offensive coaching staff. Neither, neither one of them is – still with the Washington football team. So I don't know if that's credit to uh, the coaching staff that was there, Mike Shanahan, or the fact that the incompetence of the Washington football team. Now they have Ron Rivera, which is, he's a phenomenal NFL coach, but the fact that you had three young offensive minds in that room who are now all having success elsewhere, um, just goes to show you what the Washington football team has been. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm sure they'll be, you know, looking for a quarterback this offseason. Um, it's it's just uh, incredible what, you know, McVay has done in, in such a young career. And he still has, what, 30 years ahead of him probably coaching in the NFL if he wants. You would you think. Know, as, 
as long as he has continued success and wants to do it. So he's going to be around a very, very long time. Yeah, without question. It's, I mean, the sky's the limit for him as an NFL coach. And, you know, like I said, 36 years old, you know, he's got a long, successful career ahead of him. Um, you know, we'll talk more about the Super Bowl next week. Let's get to other NFL news. And this is like really the only Browns related story of the last you know week that has to do with actual football, not, you know, nonsense on social media. Quezzi Adolfo Mensa, who was the vice president of football operations, uh, we knew he was going to get interviewed for g- general manager jobs around the league, and he did. Uh, and the Minnesota Vikings decided to hire him as their next general manager after they cleaned house, firing both uh, Rick Spielman and uh, Mike Zimmer earlier this month. Uh, Adolfo Mensa is 40 years old. Um, really, Anthony's only been in football a decade. Started with the 49ers back in 2013 after he was working on Wall Street. Um, worked his way up through that organization. And then Andrew Barry brought him over two years ago as a vice president of football operations. And he's been on a meteoric rise. And now he gets to run an NFL franchise. They're still in the middle of a coaching search, which could be interesting because he could be bringing back a former uh, familiar face from the 49ers and Jim Harbaugh. But, uh, you know, Quezzy is somebody that a lot of teams had their eyes on. You know, the Browns probably didn't want to lose him, but at the same time, uh, much like coaches, you know, let assistants go. Andrew Barry had to let one of his assistants go. But it also benefits the Browns, Anthony, because the Browns did receive two compensatory third-round picks for uh, Minnesota hiring Quezzy. Yeah, you know, it, it just goes to show how much respect I think is uh, the Browns front office has right now. Uh, now, granted, there's some work they have to do uh, still, but uh, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of people in that organization that are catching the eyes of others, and you know that just goes to show, you know, what the league thinks of Andrew Barry, uh, and, and what he's done with his roster. Uh, so you know, I, I tend to think that there's going to be down the road, as long as it works here, right? You know, as long as it works here, and as long as it works in, in Minnesota. Uh, I think there's going to be more, uh, you know, front office members that are going to be poached from the Browns down the road because, you know, when when things are working, when things when people are highly uh, sought after, uh, you know, there's certainly that opportunity there. Um, I, I lost my thought, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean. To, to have this front office, you know, I, I would wonder if they're going to like continue to promote from the inside uh, up into these new positions uh, to, to kind of fill, you know, the loss that they suffered in, in the front office there. But, uh, you know, on, on Minnesota's side, you know, they have a lot of work to do. You know, they have to figure out what they're going to do with their quarterback. Uh, you know, obviously finding a head coach and with it potentially being uh, somebody from that team up north, uh, you know, that that's certainly uh, an interesting aspect to watch in this. But, uh, you know, obviously they have a lot of work to do. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Yeah, as far as the Browns front office, you know, Glenn Cook, who also interviewed for GM uh, openings, I think he's still a year away from, you know, reports. I would imagine he'll probably be elevated into – what Quezzy's role was being essentially Andrew Barry's right-hand man. And then perhaps in a year, Glenn Cook goes and gets a general manager gig somewhere. And then the Browns get two third round picks again. I think, you know, Andrew Barry doesn't, you know, he, he, he's a collaborator. He lets guys, you know, get their hands on everything much like he had to do when he was with the Colts, when he was with the Eagles, uh, his first go around with the Browns working under Sashi. Um, I don't think Barry has a problem, A, finding guys to work with him and then B, letting them go and getting jobs elsewhere. I think I compare it, and if it hopefully it works out this way as it did, you know, the Cleveland Guardians. You think about all the general managers that they've had work underneath Mark Shapiro and Chris Antonetti, and then they've gone elsewhere. I think the the Brown, the Guardians lost a couple guys this year uh, that went went to the Nationals, went to the Cubs to become general managers or, you know, certain roles in the front office. So 
if the Browns can end up being like the Guardians and having a front office tree the way the Guardians have, I mean, that just shows you how successful uh, the front office is working. And hopefully Andrew Barry gets to be around as long as, you know, Mark Shapiro and Chris Antonetti have been in Cleveland. Well, we're hey, in Cleveland in Shapiro's case. Even to the Cavs to some extent, right? Because they, yes. they've, they've continued to hire from within and it seems like they've uh, finally gotten the right guy, Colby Altman. So, um, you know, when, when you're able to uh, continue to promote from within and, you know, it's like we've talked about with the Steelers for so many years, right? You know, how many times have they uh, lost somebody and they just plug the next guy up? right in there. Uh, the Patriots have done the same thing. When you have good organizations and you have a good front office, good front office with good leadership, you know, obviously starting at the top with ownership, you know, these things can, can last a long time. And, you know, I know, you know, the Dolans don't get all the credit in the world, but the one thing that they've done really well and You'll have to tell Alex that I'm actually like talking good about them for once. <laughs> um, but the one thing that they have done really well is their front office. And I know as I, at times they could be hamstrung in what they're able to do, but you know, just the way that they've been able to promote everybody from within uh, for so many years, you know, ever since well, that was John Hart left and Shapiro came in, that was who yeah. came in after that, right? So uh, you know, for the last what, 20, 20 plus years, you know, they've uh, been able to have a continuous thing going in that front office um, over there on Carnegie in Ontario. And, you know, with the Cavs, uh, they've kind of done the same thing over the last, what, 10, 12 years. So um, it, it certainly takes a lot of patience uh, from ownership. Um you know, and I, I think that when, you know, Haslam and, and, and whatnot, we're, we're looking around, seeing how, you know, they tried some stuff that didn't work. Um, when, when they really looked at it, I, I think they kind of get the idea now that, you know, we have to keep this together for a while. And with the guys that they have in the front office and on the coaching staff, if they keep it together for a while, you know, I think they're only going to benefit down the road. You know, I know they like immediate results and you want to see that improvement. And granted, over the last few seasons, there have been improvement uh, from the, the disastrous uh, franchise that it was. Um, it's kind of night and day. I know, like we mentioned, there's still things they have to figure out, but um there, there's certainly some good aspects to to what they've done. If they they could continue to let Andrew Barry and Stefanski and everybody else in that front office do what they do over you know the next five, seven, ten years, um, and maybe even beyond, you're you're only going to see the benefits of that. Yeah, you just hope that the Haslam stick with this because you know regardless of how you know, certain positions on the team haven't gone the way people have planned. It seems like they're building something with Paul DePodesta, with Andrew Barry, the front office staff, and with Kevin Stefanski as the head coach. It just seems like you got to give it time. You know, there's going to be bumps in the road, but it just seems like things are a lot smoother, that things are more aligned, and things are more uh, working properly than what was the last couple regimes with Hugh and Sashi or with Dorsey and Freddie. Like, it just seems like everybody's on the same page and you got to give them the time and the resources. I think this Brown thing turn, can turn it around. Obviously, you look around the league, you got to get the quarterback position right. We don't know how they feel about Baker. Uh, we tend to think we know how they feel just because he doesn't have a new contract. And, you know, kudos to them for not doing it when everybody thought they were going to do it. But they get the quarterback right. You know, I think we have the head coach. I think we have the front office. Everything else will fall into place, and the Browns will be a successful organization. You just got to hope that the Haslam stay patient with that plan and that process. I, I do have a front office question for you, and yes. I, I I don't want to like talk too much Browns because there's still plenty to talk about. But right, at, at what point do you think you know the Browns 
don't want to lose some of uh, these talented individuals in this front office to the point where maybe, all right, let's put Andrew Barry as, you know, president of football ops. Let's. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift, the Eras tour presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Promote this next guy to general manager to, you know, not lose, uh, you know, all these different individuals they have in the front office. Yeah, we, we talked about this in the past with, like, with Dorsey and stuff. I think... As long as Deep Podesta and Barry are here, they're gonna have guys ready to go. That they're they're gonna be fine with the Quezzi Adolfo Mensas and the Glenn Cooks of the world go take GM jobs. I feel like they have guys at the ready. Guys, you know, you think back Anthony to Belichick. They had guys like Eric Mangini, Mike Tannenbaum, Ozzy Newsome, these guys that were underneath Belichick and Mike Lombardi at the time. Look at all these guys that went out and had success elsewhere. I think that's what good organizations do. Like you said, they elevate people from within the Steelers, the Patriots of the world. I think the Rams did it as well because they've let guys go and become GMs. I don't think the Browns will have an issue with that. Um, I think as long as Deep Podesta and Barry are at the helm of the front office, I don't think we'll ever have to worry about who else is underneath them because I feel like they're going to go and find new guys uh, that'll – and have the same vision and same plan that they do, and they'll follow suit and work together as a team like they have been. Yeah, I guess as long as they can like stay true to all their processes and all that stuff that they've put in place, I, I guess that you could uh, continue to you know bump these guys up into the roles that have been left. Yep, because like I'm looking at their front office group right now. Chris Cooper's been their cap guy for the last few years. He's now the vice president of football administration. Um, they have a vice president of research and strategy, a vice president of player personnel, Ken Kovach, who's been here since Sashi started five years ago now, five, six years ago now. So they got guys in that front office and there's a, it's a lengthy list of people in this front office. So like I said, I don't think Dee Podesta and Barry will have any problem finding guys that want to, you know, learn underneath them, work together with them, and eventually have the goal in mind to be become a general manager in the NFL one day. So we're going to move forward with the head coaching carousel that's been ongoing. There's There was nine jobs coming in when this all started. Oh, there was eight, and then, Anthony, we got thrown a curveball last week when, and we'll actually start with this, Sean Payton, the now former head coach of the New Orleans Saints, uh, I wouldn't call it retired. He decided to step away from football. Um, what a successful run he had in New Orleans, first of all, 15 years, uh, many playoff appearances, obviously winning the Super Bowl back in, I think it was 2009, 2010. Obviously, you know, the stain of Bounty Gate will linger with him for the rest of his coaching career, but you can't deny the run that Sean Payton and really with Drew Brees as his quarterback for 14 of those 15 years, uh, one of the better head coaching quarterback uh, duos in league history um, was a surprise, but it's going to be interesting to see what Sean Payton's future holds. Yeah. You know, somebody who came in there, uh, you know, and, right and after Katrina. To, yeah. Right after Katrina was able to win the Super Bowl. Uh, Drew Brees and everything, and you know, I, I know they love him down there, and it's I'm sure they're all bummed that you know he decided to step away. You know, there's multiple rumors out there what he might do next. Maybe 
uh, broadcast TV. Uh, you know, uh, there's with uh, Amazon trying to get their, uh, you know, Thursday night football out there. Uh, he, he could replace one of the other network guys who Amazon is targeting for that. So, um, he, no, he's just a really good head coach. You know, obviously, like you mentioned, the Battle Gate stuff will linger for a long time, but uh, he's just been been a very good one down there. You mentioned the, the duos, I mean, between, like, you know, him and Breeze and Belichick and Brady. Uh, I guess you could even say, like, Tomlin and Roethlisberger for a long time. <laughs> you yeah. Know, I, uh, they were together for a long time, so... Uh, you know that was quite the duo down there, and uh, you know it's uh, it's certainly a bummer uh, that he'll no longer be on the sidelines for the for the Saints. Yeah, um, I think he's going to take a year away. I think he's going to pull the Urban Meyer. He's going to take a year off, um, and then it will not shock me if he's the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Hopefully, that's the only thing he does, like Urban Meyer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, do you agree with me that you think Dallas might be in his future if he comes back? Uh, I guess the rumors depends. are out there. I, you know, I can see that. Uh, you know, you have to obviously see what what other coaching spots are open uh, in a year from now. Uh, you know, maybe Seattle. You know. Uh, yeah, that's another possibility. Certainly, it could be a possibility. Uh, Arizona, if things collapse again, maybe. Uh, you know, I that those are really the only couple that come to my mind uh, at the moment. So, you know, with the teams hiring what nine head coaches or having to hire nine head coaches this off season, I can't imagine many of them will be one and done. Uh, you know, Houston's just like a different thing. We won't discuss that. Um, but, you know, there there's certainly will be opportunity if he wants to come back to coaching uh, a year from now or even two years from now. Um, how old is he? Oh. He's in his mid-60s? 60? Uh, somewhere in there? Yeah, I would think he's somewhere around that range. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly 58. how. 58. Yeah, he probably still has, if he takes a year off, year, a couple years off, what, another seven to ten years of coaching? Yeah. So uh, it, it all depends on what he wants to do, and if he finds a spot for him and his family, uh, that would be a good a good place for him to be. So it, it just uh, depends on whatever's open a year from now. Yeah, absolutely. But the Dallas rumor has always been out there. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, A, how Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy responds to it after the uh, poor finish to this season for Dallas. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I'm, I'm, oh, go ahead. I'm, su- I'm surprised that I'm surprised McCarthy didn't get canned. I thought he was going to. I think he would have had Peyton I, I not really wanted did. to take a year off. I think they would have pulled a trade off to get him in Dallas, but I feel like Peyton probably told Jerry, like, let me take a year off. I think his health's kind of tr- bad. I think he needs to, a year to get back into, uh, to get in good health, probably do the TV gig and then make the trade with new Orleans so they, to get, to get Peyton back in the Cowboys. How long is he, how long is he under contract for? Would they have to trade for him in a year from now? I think they said through 2024. So he would, he would have a couple years. So, yeah, they would have to make a trade because I don't see unless New Orleans just lets him go because obviously they're looking for a new head coach. Um, but I feel like there's going to be some kind of compensation exchange. Yeah, I can't imagine it being crazy, but I guess there could be something. Well, I mean, Gruden went for a first round pick. Belichick went for two first round picks back in the day. Um, you know, Sean Payton's one of the greatest coaches of all time. I would think it would and I don't think Jerry would have a problem depending on where they're at in the draft order in a year from now, but a first round pick wouldn't be bad for Sean Payton. And, and let's be honest, the saints have uh, a need for draft picks uh, currently. Cause that quarterback, that quarterback situation is not a pleasant one. No, not at all. They're going to be an interesting team to watch this off season, but right now, Anthony, there's only four 
of the nine head coaching vacancies have been filled. Um, I think the biggest surprise was the most recent one. Josh McDaniels has finally decided to leave New England again and take a head coaching gig. You know, they had the Colts uh, fiasco a couple years ago. He nearly became the head coach of the Browns two years ago. But now Josh McDaniels is going to Vegas. He's the new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, This is an interesting move for him um, because right now the AFC West is already stacked with the Chiefs and the Chargers with their quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. But uh, which we'll get to obviously the probably the next hire we'll talk about Denver, but and their quarterback uh, situation could be getting an upgrade. Interesting move for McDaniels to take this one. I mean, the Raiders are no slouch. They obviously were in the playoffs, have Derek Carr at quarterback. Uh, but I'm very fascinated with McDaniels finally deciding to leave the Belichick nest again and take another head coaching gig. Just didn't expect it to be the Raiders. Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, him taking this tells me that you know he's just waiting for the right opportunity you know there's obviously an established quarterback there and this pretty much puts any rumors to bed I think of Derek Carr going anywhere uh this offseason I could even see some kind of extension maybe uh for Carr uh who has what a year remaining on his deal so uh I could I could see that um you know I guess he just felt it was the right time um, I, I would assume this means maybe Belichick's going to be around another five or six years. You never know. Uh, you know, I, I still see like McDaniels maybe being the apparent to Belichick and somewhere down the road in new England. But, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I'm surprised that he decided to finally go, uh, after all this time being back in new England after, uh, being in Denver and, you know, that ending rather, unpleasantly uh i think for everybody involved so um it it'll be very interesting to see in in vegas is uh see what he's able to do and you're right that division is no joke and especially if uh rogers decides he wants to go to denver um i don't know who's going to come out of that division i do know that those teams are going to beat up against each other and it's uh you know they could take each other out of the playoffs uh, besides the division winner, uh, you know, if they be, beat each other up quite a bit. So um, it, it's certainly going to be fascinating to see what he's able to do out there in Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned Rodgers going to Denver. Um, you know, the, the dots seem to keep connecting, especially with their head coaching hire. Denver hired offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett and. You know, a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, of course he was a great offensive coordinator in Green Bay when you have one of the greatest quarterbacks ever in Aaron Rodgers. But Hackett, before he was the OC in Green Bay, he was the OC in Jacksonville, Anthony. And they, you know, you remember their their magical year, I think it was 2016, 2017, where they were five minutes away from going to the Super Bowl before, you know, Brady and the Patriots come back. That year, that offense ranked in the top, I think it was like fifth or sixth in the NFL and Blake Bortles was the quarterback and you just remember that team was so good and so fun to watch with their defense. And they had Leonard Fournette who was a rookie and they had, you know, they had, I think they had Allen Robinson there. They had a couple other weapons, but Blake Bortles was the quarterback and Nathaniel Hackett coached him into a top 10 uh, NFL scoring offense. So I actually like this hire. The Broncos have good pieces. The quarterback decision is looming is Aaron Rodgers going to want to leave Green Bay? Is he going to want to go to Denver? That's going to be fun to watch. But I think this Nathaniel Hackett was a solid hire for the Broncos, obviously moving on from Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer as the offensive coordinator. I think this is actually a good move by Denver. Yeah, I'm just kind of glad that if Rodgers does decide to go to Denver, that we don't have to play them. Uh, thankfully, um, because we beat Baltimore last game, we will not play Denver. Uh, we had certainly had an opportunity to, uh, you know, obviously instead we get uh, stuck with uh, the, the Chargers, Chargers again. again. Yeah, we get the Chargers again. So uh, I think that's a home game too. So, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, you know, those dots are certainly starting to be connected out there in Denver. Um, they, they have a good roster. Uh, you know, 
I could imagine Aaron Rodgers probably lure a few free agents out that way. Uh, I'm not sure what their cap situation is, but uh, they've been looking for a quarterback ever since Peyton Manning left, and it'd, it'd be kind of fun, interesting to see that if Rodgers is going to be that guy. Uh, you know that that that's going to be, I guess, the the big domino to fall this off season with this quarterback carousel is. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers first and then uh, everybody else. I guess uh, if Brady officially retires or not, I guess that could be the first thing. Uh, we all think he's going to based on the reports, and even though there was that backlash this weekend against it. But, uh, you know, the, the quarterback carousel is going to determine a lot of things. Uh, like I mentioned, I, I think that with McDaniels going to Vegas, cars are going to stay, so... Um, if Rodgers does go to Denver, it'll be interesting to see what that carousel looks like after that. Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, um, and as of Monday night, Tom Brady hasn't officially retired. He even said on his podcast that uh, he's still taking it day by day. Um, kind of took a shot at Schefter and Darlington for, you know, jumping the gun, too. But he said that he hasn't made a, a, a decision yet. I tend to think he's going to retire. Uh, because Schefter and those guys are sticking to the reporting. Um, but yeah, once that domino falls, I would imagine that Aaron Rodgers one is next. Um, feel like Kirk Cousins might have something to say about it, depending on Minnesota and their head coaching decision. But yeah, Denver is going to be fascinating to watch because they could get, um, they could get Aaron Rodgers. They could be in the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes. Um, you know, Russell Wilson still hanging out there. Um, I think those are the, really the only big ones that Denver wants to do because I feel like they're going to go and try to make a significant upgrade. You know, they've had Teddy Bridgewater. They've had Drew Locke the last couple of years. Um, they got a great defense. They got some offensive weapons. They're just a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. Um, but I'm pretty confident that whoever they get, Nathaniel Hackett's going to elevate uh, their play based on his track record with Den- with Jacksonville. And obviously his run in Green Bay was pretty successful as well, thanks to Aaron Rodgers. Um, oh, you got, got something to add? No, no. Oh, okay. So the New York giants hired a new head coach as well. It's a familiar face to the Cleveland Browns because he was their offensive coordinator back in the day, uh, back in Oh nine and 2010 seasons. He wasn't a very good offensive coordinator there, but, uh, he re, um, he fixed his play calling. Obviously, you know, it was offensive coordinator again in Kansas city, uh, worked under Belichick for a couple years in McDaniels and then goes to Buffalo back in 2018, becomes the offensive coordinator, revitalized his coaching stock. Uh, Brian Dable, the new head coach of the New York Giants, had a successful uh, four-year run with the Bills, you know, developing Josh Allen. Um, and now he goes to New York where could potentially try to salvage Daniel Jones's career. Daniel Jones is entering year four, I believe, coming up. Um but Dable's in for a tough task. He's got to deal with that New York City media. Um, obviously, the Giants are one of the iconic franchises and have been pretty much stuck in a rut since Eli Manning's retirement, since OBJ departed there a few years back. Uh, Dable's got a lot to work with, you know, obviously with Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay. Like, there's some weapons there on the offensive side of the ball, but trying to get the Giants back into relevancy Um all while trying to also salvage Daniel Jones. Dable's in for a tough task, but uh, he has the reputation of being a strong leader, and I think that's something the New York Giants has desperately needed since Tom Coughlin left. Well, and I think the biggest thing for the Giants is Gettleman is no longer there as well. So uh, obviously changing up general managers is uh, is a big thing for them. Uh, it'll be curious to see what does happen with Daniel Jones since you know Jones – was not Dables or the new general manager's guy. Uh, but, you know, he's going into his fourth year and he's got a better completion percentage wise, but, uh, you know, th- there's certainly some things that need to be fixed. And, you know, it was a long patient process with Josh Allen and it, it might be the same thing with, with Daniel Jones, you know, he will have two years, uh, you know, this year, next year to, to prove something probably, uh, you know, if, you know, Dables, you know, is able to, you know, get the patience out of everybody. I know in New York, that's not an easy thing to do, but, uh, 
you know, he has some time, I think, to, to prove that he could be the guy there. Uh, he certainly has a lot of work to do. Uh, granted, he, he does need some help and, and more talent around him uh, as well. So, you know, it's it's a very interesting hire uh, that the Giants made, but I, I think Dable has done a good job. You know, his play calling is still get questionable uh, at times. I'm sure our good friend uh, Kevin Basari uh, could attest to that. But, uh, you know, being a Bills fan, and, uh, but I, I think he'll do okay in New York as long as he can handle the pressure of being there and handle the media, which is never an easy task. Some people can, some people can't. So, um, it'll be very interesting to see what the, what the, the future of the, the Giants uh, is, is going to be like in, in a couple of years. As long as he doesn't go on a 13-minute rant without, you know, without what? stop ta- without stop talking like Joe Judge did towards the end or, of the season, uh, I think Dave will be okay. Or having some, like, weird blinking thing like Adam Gase. For the right. Jets. But honestly, like, Looking at Dable, he can't be much worse than Ben McAdoo and Pat Scherber. Like, I feel like he's definitely a significant oh, upgrade over those two. That's a really low bar you're setting there. Well, uh, I mean, that's what the Giants have been hiring over the last couple of years. <laughs> that's a really low bar. But, yeah, you know, if even if uh, if he's just average, I, I, that would certainly be a lot better than what they've had. Without question. The last head coaching hire so far. Don't know much about this guy, but Matt Eberflus, who I believe – the Browns interviewed a couple years ago uh, before they hired Freddie is either before they hired Freddie or before they hired Stefanski. I can't remember which coaching search. They all... I, I, I do remember him interviewing uh, yeah. and I'm sure we talked about him, but Lord help me. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. He does have, a, he does have another connection to the Browns. He was the linebacker coach back in 09 and 2010 under Mangini, same staff that uh, Brian Dable was on. Uh, then he went to the Cowboys where he was a linebacker coach for seven seasons. Then the last four, he was the defensive coordinator for the Colts. Um, obviously a guy that NFL teams have kept his eye on because he has interviewed multiple times over the years. He did interview for the Browns. I just forget which coaching cycle it was, but obviously the bears saw something in him. They passed on Dan Quinn, who's the Cowboys defensive coordinator. They also passed on Jim Caldwell, who I had the feeling that they were going to hire him and, you know, get him to, you know, develop Justin Fields, but they decided to go with Matt Eberflus. They did pluck Luke Getze, former Akron Zip quarterback and Green Bay Packers head coach to become the Bears offensive coordinator. So that's actually a pretty good get for Eberflus to get him as an offensive play caller. Um, Hopefully whatever magic Rodgers had on that QB room, uh, Getze bottled it up and brought it down to Chicago because Fields had a tough rookie year. Obviously, Matt Nagy did him no favors with that offense. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what Eberflus and Getze do with Justin Fields, who had a tough rookie year, but the potential is still there for Fields to become a franchise quarterback. All right. It looks like it was the Freddie year uh, where they hired Freddie because it says uh, it's a six candidate to interview. Greg Williams was part of it. Jim Caldwell, Stefanski the first time. Dan Campbell, Brian Flores. So um, there's some interesting names on that list when you take a look back at it, and they decided to go with Freddie, but that's for a different day. Um, Thanks, Dorsey. I know, right? Um, and we'll talk about Flores next, I think, because I think that's important. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, he's certainly a guy who's highly regarded at defense over there in Indy, has been really strong the last few years. Um you know, I know Indy had that collapse uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, I guess the last week, really. You know, I really can't blame him for that one. But um, you know, they they've they have a lot of talent on Indy. You know, he certainly is going to have his work cut out in Chicago, also with the new general manager there uh, as well. So you know, I having a nice young quarterback will help. Um, Hopefully, uh, Justin Fields wasn't ruined too much uh, by Matt Nagy. So, uh, you know, it, it will be, you know, I've always had like a soft spot for the Bears for some reason. So I kind of hope it works out. But, uh, uh, you know, they, they just had their work cut out for them. They, they need a lot of talent on that football team. Uh, 
I'll be curious to see what he's able to do with Khalil Mack, uh, you know, being a defensive guy. So uh, I would imagine uh, he should have some success there. And I think strong defensive team teams suit that city well uh, based on their history. So uh, hopefully he could find the right offensive coordinator and be able to do well with Justin Fields and they'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. I'm anxious to see how that all trans works out for Chicago. Um, kind of a curveball coaching hire, I would say. But like I said, Eberflus has been connected to many coaching spots and has been a name the last couple cycles for potential uh, head coach. So uh, good luck to him in Chicago. You did mention Brian Flores. I think everybody was shocked on Black Monday that he got fired by Miami. I think also a lot of us are shocked, Anthony, that nearly a month uh, since he got fired that he hasn't been hired yet. He did interview with the Texans, I think on Monday, or he's going to be interviewing. Uh, the Texans search has been so wild. They've interviewed Heinz Ward. Uh, Josh McCown is supposedly a legit uh, candidate for this job. And it makes the most, twice. Yeah. He interviewed twice, but it makes sense. Like Flores hasn't been hired yet. There's still five openings. I would get the sense he's going to be hired by one of these teams because he's a damn good coach. And he, help turn around the Dolphins to get to the point where they were at. Houston makes the most sense, but what's your thoughts on Flores and his, you know, chances of being a head coach again? Yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I don't understand it. I don't, really don't understand Miami letting him go at all. Um, you know, I would think they only do that if they had something lined up. Um, I guess where Harbaugh ends up, potentially could play into this. Um, you know, I wonder if Minnesota could be an option if uh, they don't get him. Uh, Harbaugh, I mean. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm really shocked that Flores has gone this long without, you know, getting picked up by somebody else after who put it, an incredible turnaround they had down there in Miami. Uh you know, so I, I I don't understand it. But if he doesn't get hired as a head coach, you know, somebody I would imagine is going to get a very good defensive coordinator somewhere. And uh, I, I don't know what team that would be, but, uh, you know, maybe New York with Dable. Uh, Are they keeping connection? I think they're keeping Are Patrick keeping Graham. Us? Are they? Well, yeah. he's got some interviews too, if I remember True. right. If he doesn't get a head coaching job, the plan is that he's coming back as defensive coordinator. So uh, maybe Vegas. Uh, I've seen Wink Martindale connected to that job. So yeah, I think he could be you know. a defensive coordinator somewhere. I just with five vacancies left, I he's got to get one. He's, he's he got to get one. He has like, to. Yeah, like they all said, he'll be. He'll be the hottest candidate out there. Now, unless there's something behind the scenes that happened in Miami that's hurting his stock, I don't see how he's not a head coach again next season in the league. You know what place that would be perfect for him? New Orleans. I, I feel like that would be the perfect spot for him. It would be. I think so. They got a good defense. Like, obviously, if he can get an offensive coordinator to come down there and help him with the offense, uh, I mean, it makes the most sense, but Houston makes sense too because his connection with New England, Casario's the GM, seems like they could coexist, but it also seems like the Texans want somebody they can control, which is unfortunate for David Culley that, you know, he got put in that situation. It was, it reminded me of Chudzinski here in Cleveland. The, the Texans are the new Browns, and that's not a good thing. No, uh, it is not. No, it is not. <laughs> um, Anthony, as we wrap up, because, you know, our first podcast in nearly a month together and we've gone an hour, do you have anything else you want to chime in on? Uh, I, well, let me say this. I'm taking a Twitter break because I cannot handle just <laughs> the, the back and forth uh, that's going to be going on. Uh, over the next few weeks. So you guys can follow my account and Anthony Jokey, but there won't be any tweets from it for a little bit. Look, I, I, I just, I'm tired, Jack, of the pessimism and the woe is me thing and yada, yada, yada. I can't handle it. Uh, I'm tapping out for now. And, you know, if you guys want to run yourselves into the ground over the next few weeks, 
Um, talking about Joe Burrow, talking about OBJ, have at it. Good on you. I, I, I'm not going on Twitter. I'm not listening to talk radio. I'm just taking a break. And I, the fact that I'm going to miss all this over the next few weeks is probably the best thing in the world right now. Don't worry. I'll keep you informed about what's going on. Uh, that's that's okay. I'm good. <laughs> my God. I, I, I feel it. Like there's days I get on Twitter and I immediately get a headache. Like it's been nonstop. Like, and kudos, like the spaces sometimes can be entertaining, but it just seems to be the same uh, canter back and forth. Like we're against Baker. If you come in and say you're with Baker, um, they jump all over you. Like, Guys, I hate to break it to you, but the way things stand right now, Baker Mayfield is going to be the starting quarterback next year. Um, but yeah, like, the, like Twitter I, is such a what? Go ahead. How many, how many times can we have the same argument every single day? Like, don't you get tired of it? Like everybody, oh, Baker's got to be the guy. Baker's not the guy. Don't you get tired? Like, come on. I know I'm getting tired of it. Find something else to do. Find right. something else to improve your time. Yeah. <laughs> you it, know? It, it's a lot, and I don't blame you for taking a break. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, with with Baker, I'll say this. There's a point where, yes, you can look at all the bad and see and think you want to improve. But you can also look at, well, he had a significant injury, and maybe he deserves another chance. You could be in the middle. You don't have to pick a side. And it's just... Same thing with the OBJ thing. You know, it didn't work here. It's a lot of people's fault. It's not the Browns' fault. It's not OBJ's fault. It's not Kevin Stefanski's fault. It's not Baker Mayfield's fault. It's everybody's fault. It didn't work. And it's the fortune that it didn't work. So just, y'all need to calm down and just take a breath and relax. And you'll feel better tomorrow if you do. Go watch the Cavs if you don't want to be miserable. <laughs> I that can't is, believe I'm that, saying that, that because is six months a, ago that, I wouldn't have said that. That is not a phrase I thought I would ever hear, uh, you know, outside of a LeBron team, you know. No kidding. I mean, you know, kudos to the Cavs have given us something happy to enjoy. It's been a very nice distraction uh, from it, all this nonsense. So It, it very much has been. Um. So as we wrap things up, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Jack McCurry 8 Follow the Dogland at the Dogland. Check out the Dogland.com. Go read Jack Duffin's incredible work he's been doing so so far on the offseason roster deep dive series. We'll be back on Wednesday where we cover the interior offensive line. So look forward to that. Uh, if you guys missed Monday's episode, we break down the tackles. So definitely check that out. Um, and until next time, Browns fans, go Browns. The waves were mighty and fierce as could be when my lady and I got lost at sea. We tossed and turned and we nearly drowned when my brave little boat went down. Huh. Whoa, 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 no, none of that's true. You haven't had a date in a year or two. The sea was calm and the sky was clear and you crashed right into the pier. Yeah, fine. Accidents don't just happen in sea shanties, so Progressive Boat Insurance has you covered. Take as little as four minutes to see what you can save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates covered subject to policy terms and not available for all boats or in all situations. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.